This week on Dig Me Out. With your hosts, Jason Ziyech and Tim Manichin. Jay, we're back again with another episode thanks to our Dig Me Out Union on Patreon. You can help us make the next episode happen by joining us at dmounion.com or digmeoutunion.com. Jay, it's union member time. We are hoisting the union flag, the union jack. We need jack. to have a, uh, what do you call it, like uh, with the trumpets? fanfare yes yes we need fanfare fanfare? for when there's when there's a union member i will put that together i'll speak to the to the (laughs) to the horn section and ask them to uh throw together a fanfare for us but he was here last year to discuss the black crows amorica the year before that it was the odds good weird feeling and the year before that was powder fingers odyssey number five back on the show darren svedson how are you this evening i'm doing great guys nice to see you both again and i was just doing the count and there was one before that i did marcy playground that was the first one so this is i'm, I'm a five-timer now oh so okay get... jay um fire the intern for not well, collating that correctly were you I on for that episode one, no i wasn't on that's right okay, okay retain the intern i rescind that comment i'll have to wait till next year when i'm like, <laughs> live five suggestions be careful you're, you're getting people fired here darren seriously this is going twitter here we're firing them we're bringing them back chaos <laughs> don't check your email uh share with our audience the album pick for this year yeah so i uh as some of the listeners have heard me before i know i'm, I'm canadian and uh just like the odds was my canadian choice and uh two years ago I went down to uh, Georgia last year with the Black Crows. I'm back on Canadian soil with High Mother Earth, Scenery and Fish, which I believe made, and during one of the tournaments, it made it pretty close to being selected. So when it wasn't, I was like, this got to be my pick coming up. because it's, it's, a, it's an album I'd love to talk about with you guys. You saved it. Yeah, you did. You, twice. This was in yep. two different polls. Yep. This was in our June poll and in our July poll. And we've actually talked about I Am Mother Earth, uh, episode 183, uh, back in 2014. We talked about their, is it their third album, Dig? Is that the, no, is that... Dig was their first, at least their first major release album. And this is, the Cedar and Fish is their sophomore album. Got it. Okay. Sorry. Blue, Green, and Orange is their third. Yes, right. That's okay. Uh, so we're talking about Scenery and Fish, which came out in 1996, uh, July 9th in the U.S., April 23rd in Canada. It was released on Capitol Records, produced by Paul Northfield and band member Jagori Tana, who plays guitars. Is it Tana? I think it's Tana. Tana? He's called Jag. Jag Tana. Jag Tana. Jag Tana. That sounds like a... 1960s <laughs> Italian sports car, the Jag Tana. I want one of those. I did. Yeah. Um, and this had a number of singles released. Uh, one more astronaut was, I guess, the big single 
that actually made it to number one on the Canadian RPM alternative chart, number 32 on the Canadian RPM singles chart, and it made it to number 19 on the U.S. Billboard Mainstream Rock Tracks chart. So it's not a bad showing for that, uh, for that single. Jay, had you listened to this specific record? I know we listened, obviously, to Dig before, but had you checked out this record at all? I don't remember. I, I, I know I, um, I recognize the album cover, and I remember when it came out. Um, I was a big Moist fan at the time, and I remember this band and Moist kind of broke in the U.S. at the same time. Broke, meaning they got radio airplay. Mm-hmm. So I was aware of them, and I remember more from the first record. I don't know that I ever heard this one. But I was aware it was out, and it was their second record. Gotcha. Same. And I do have to admit something. I thought that I had posted a an a a, a poll for this episode, and I didn't. <clears throat> but we got so many comments on the previous two <laughs> polls. I was right. like, well, I'll just pull the comments from those because I I had a brain fart and somehow did not uh, post anything about this. So luckily, people have had a lot to say about this record. Darren, when did you first get this record? I I didn't get it when it came out right away, but this was an album. I was going to ask you guys really how, like a lot of Canadian bands, um, they make it much bigger in Canada. There's a bigger support system here. They mandated Canadian content, much music, which is our, was Canadian, Canada's version of MTV. So. Bands like Moist, Our Lady Peace, Tea Party, and I, Mother Earth. I mean, they seemed much bigger here than they probably even were by album sales, but they just, they they had major media saturation here. But this album, actually, I don't think I got it until roughly a year later. It was on its fourth fourth single with uh, Raspberry. Uh, and it just, you know, one of those albums that you don't pick up right away, but the Singles keep coming off it, and you know, song one, song two, song three. You're like, you know, this is pretty good. I'm going to pick it up, and and I did. And then I remember I was backpacking in Europe, um, summer of '97 and fall of '97, and I just listened to this CD nonstop. And I so uh, it was really fun to to go back and revisit. Well, let's go back to some comments from our Patreon folk. Uh, Whitney Bueller said. I still listen to the first half of this album often. Um, Kyle Bittner said, it's definitely a front-loaded album with Raspberry and Sense of Henry being the only two good songs on the back half. Keith Badge says, I like to love pretty much every song on that record. Fun fact, tracks two to four were only added after the label shoved it back to them and said, we don't hear a single. It may be just due to it coming out at a perfect time in my life. I was a lonely eighth grader whose best friend was a Koss stereo, but it's in my top 20 of all time, maybe top 10. And yes, it holds up. And yes, I can't vote for one of my own. Oh, this was for, he could not vote for the, something he uh, voted, suggested in that poll. Well, Dylan said, I love the whole album. And there was lots of love in that June poll. It didn't make it past the first round. In the June poll, which was surprising, Ian McIvers went for I Mother Earth and Matthew Goodband, so a pair of Canadian uh, albums. And um, in our July poll, it it did rise to the t- 
top. It did not win the overall poll. And that time it was first it was suggested in June by um by whom? Eric. Just Eric. And then for the July poll, right after that, it was suggested by um Willie Dillon. So Willie Dillon went from commenting on it to suggesting it for the for the following poll. That one was won by um Fu Manchu and Fig Dish. Whitney Wheeler followed up with a comment from the June poll and said, uh, I'm going with Mother Earth because it's an interesting album I like a lot, and I think it will generate some fun discussion. Darren Lehman said, I'm going with I, Mother Earth. Scenery and Fish is where the band came into their own and le- leaned into the weird and wonderful. Psychedelic and pop tints are applied almost in equal measure with just the right dash of alt-rock flavors with a U to balance out their musical compositions. I appreciate the Canadian spelling of flavors there. <laughs> Appropriate. And then, of course, Darren, you were, you were chiming right in. Come on, I'm Mother Earth. It made it to the final poll. Oh, it did not win, sadly, the, the final poll. But you rescued it. I did. You pulled it from, the, from a, tw- a two-time poll loser and made it a winner. In your heart, <laughs> it was either this or or Matthew Good. I had to pick one of the Canadian rejects. <laughs> well, we're glad you did because we do like talking about Canadian bands because we're fond of the the Great White North and um, and all of their uh, musical diversity that we've covered over the years. So let's get into it, Jay. Let's talk scenery and fish by I Mother Earth. Tell me one thing you liked about this record. I, I think one of the comments described it as um a little psychedelic sort of embracing the weird that's what i like about it too i guess i describe it more i hear those points i was maybe add prog uh to mm-hmm. the description which i did not expect going in um having obviously reviewed the f- first record and just my rem- memory of that i remember there being some funk elements to the band and vaguely remember some of the songs uh, this this kind of hit me as being it, it just sounds more mature it just sounds more um higher skilled players i think the melodies are stronger there's some harmonies here that i don't remember from the first record that really help it a lot uh to create this really cool combination of i think expansive and you know ambitious music you know middle sections that get weird or end sections that get weird dramatic time changes or dramatic uh, dynamic changes from you know quite loud combinations of funk and other variations of psychedelic rock or just even like smashing pumpkins fuzzy kind of riffs and then in within that you just get these drops of of hooks and harmonies um that I think pull it all together and make it make it work. They're not pop songs in the way that they're written. So I think the the you know I don't hear a single on here, but that's okay. I mean I think it to me that's not what this was supposed to be. That wasn't the point. Um, these songs are much more dynamic. They're all kind of journeys. They take you somewhere. Um, the way they start is not the way that they're going to go. 
you know, within a, either a couple seconds or a couple bars, you're going to switch pretty dramatically. Um, I also think like there's some pretty remarkable guitar playing on this record and even bass parts. Uh, it goes from being, you know, maybe from the first record, even when you first get into the record, this record, even being somewhat on unre- like re- unremarkable alt rocks sounding, but as you get deeper into it and listen closer, there's some really cool, um, riffs and, and bass parts. Um, trying to, I'm trying to find my notes on there's a song burst in delirium. Awesome bass baseline on that song it almost reminds me of uh, muse um and some of their stuff where the bass is like the centerpiece think it brings like instead of it being like funk which was my first thought on the first record it evolves into just really solid grooves you know i think the bass um and they added percussion and some of the guitar parts just get you you know these really solid interesting grooves that then they can kind of build on with different layers and dynamics and stuff so yeah, it was it was a surprising listen for me. I, I enjoyed how expansive it was and the chances they took on this. And um, it definitely needs repeated listens, but I think that's a good thing. It, it feels like an album. It doesn't feel like a combination of a bunch of songs or a single surrounded by a bunch of album tracks. It feels like an album to me. So that's some of the stuff I like. How about you, Tim? Well... If I was going to sum this album up in two words, I would call it fun tool. Oh, wow. Yeah. Because uh-huh. you mentioned song burst and delirium, like that rhythm, that bass rhythm reminded me a lot of tool hmm. and that like lurching, like dun, 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 dun. Like I was like, this is a fun time tool. That's what this band is. Um, and even starting with that, like Afro funk p- production or I mean, percussion at the beginning, which, um, you would have heard on like Santana's debut record. <laughs> like I loved that. I, I thought that was such a cool way to start the record. And then they bring it back uh, with the closing track, earth, sky and sea. They kind of bookend the album with that percussion. And you can really hear that. I think it's the Tana brothers, Jag and Christian that are the songwriters in the band, Jag playing guitars and Christian playing drums. And you can just hear this, like, just locked in performance between those two those two and then you know you have a great bass player and then adding 
a, a really interesting vocalist who can do like the darker edge stuff that you would expect from like a tool or or something you know i don't want to say grunge influenced but like early 90s influenced but then you take a song like raspberry which is so poppy i mean that's like imperial drag territory the layered vocals and and i don't know what key they're in but man it just that sounded like a, a power pop influenced song There's a lot of that on this record where they shift tonally from song to song. But because there's these layers of guitar things happening between um and then and and percussion happening and and interesting bass stuff like it's a it's a big stew and some of the songs get a little unwieldy at times because there's so much stuff happening. But for the most part, like there are like you mentioned Smashing Pumpkins. I think that's a really good comparison, too, because there is an edge of a little bit of chaos in the way that like the pumpkins could do. Yeah. But it's still restrained in like these really good four minute long rock songs that are all over the place in terms of being heavy or light in terms of their, you know, sounds. So I really like the. I think the thing that works best for me on this is just the diversity from song to song, but still maintaining a unified um, sort of approach to the to the whole record and the and the sounds. And it doesn't sound like a band jumping from genre to genre, but they're definitely taking a lot of risks from song to song. So, Darren, what works best for you on this album? Yeah, great feedback from from both of you and. Uh... I think for me, it just, it's stretching on what you're saying, Tim, it's on one hand, it sounds very diverse and lesser bands could feel almost schizophrenic, but they are, they just managed to keep it all together. So cohesive. Um, It's funny, Jason, you're saying you didn't hear a single because to me, to my ears, maybe it's because I've listened to them so many times and I knew what the singles were here. They were played ad nauseum on rock, Canadian rock radio and much music, but to me, I can clearly hear what the singles are. It's one more astronaut, track three, track four, another Sunday. Used to be all right, track six, and then Raspberry, the, the very poppy song. At the same time, once you get to the interlude, very spacey, almost like a dazed and confused feeling before it just goes full out on the outro, which I love. Uh, I mean, just this album to me, obviously, I picked it because I love it. I think it just works so well. Uh, you can tell to me. With the first album, Dig, they still felt a little unformed, and you could hear their influences on their sleeves a bit more. more like, to me, I remember it felt very funk, Jane's Addiction melding, whereas this, 
like you hear a bit of Santana, like you the, the, the psychedelic aspects and pure pop. It just sounds like they're really going for it. They're really, and I thought like they really were going for the brass ring here. If you look at the videos too, I mean, they, they yeah, there's huge budgets behind it. They they were you know, the lead singer. The first album had long hair. Edwin cut his hair off, and he's actually a really good-looking guy. If you look at the videos, like he looks like a male model once he cut his hair, which I think leads to some of the reasons why uh, where the future of the band went, which you could talk about a bit about later. But yeah, to me, just a really cohesive, really strong album balances the exploring the more experimental and psychedelic side with uh, uh, more commercial songs that you know don't sound like they're pandering. I definitely get, didn't get the sense that they were pandering to anybody. I mean, if you were pandering, I think of a song like One More Astronaut, which it's cool. It's 524, but you would cut like a minute and a half that if you wanted to pander. And that's you would not have that funk wah yeah. breakdown part in that song. You'd have a traditional like four bar, eight bar solo and then, you know, one more chorus and get out. And, and that's what I mean when I say I don't hear a single. It's like I hear sections or halves of songs that would be great singles but the songs in whole feel at least to my memory of you know what was mostly on the radio in the 90s at least in the u.s with just too too adventurous too expansive Fair too, enough. you know and just and not it, concise enough yeah yeah and you're right the, actually the singles were significantly chopped down for radio i remember that raspberry the whole outro was, was gone and oh, wow, okay. kind of one more astronaut so yeah a good catch i definitely agree you mentioned jane's addiction um there is a funk metal aspect to this record like with it starts out with the first like full song like a girl which is somewhere in the jane's addiction slash um I mean, it's almost Red Hot Chili Peppers in the when it gets into the up tempo part, but not in like the goofy um, Chili Peppers. But just it, it's it's uh, it's uncanny in some ways that a band like this can, or it's strange that a band like this can pull together things that can be pretty divisive, especially in the mid '90s, like funk metal and alternative, and yet not make it sound like sometimes it gets so it'll you know we've we've listened to some bands that have some funk influence and they don't quite nail the tones correctly like the guitar tones get a little too chirpy or too thin it's like like yeah, a, a lot of wicka 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 yeah like and not creative but right i think the this is so much more sophisticated than i think a lot of the what mm-hmm. we're thinking of tim like yes. the the voicings are interesting, the chord changes are interesting, the tone is better. You know, the guitar playing sound to me sounds more like Hendrix than, you know, generic punk guitar player, right? I, I think it, it sends to this different place um with with just how competent the playing is. And then I think it also helps that the bass is just, you know, really deep grindy you know interesting bass stuff it's not just your typical like slappy mm-hmm. you know hollow sounding funk bass it, it brings this weight i think to the to the music that 
elevates it and makes it you know heavier groovier and then we mentioned the the pumpkins comparison i think when they kick on that fuzz or whatever distortion they're using on the two guitars and that heavy bass sound it just gets big and like you said it sounds a little like uh it sounds a little dangerous like a little off the edge like the tone has just got this life to it and sparkle to it that Mm -hmm. um is super interesting so i think all of those little details and improvements they made you know from the first record really come through here yeah pisser is a good example i mean it's an album song it doesn't have a huge hook but there is a lot of energy to that song And it's very like Siamese dream ask when they kick it into overdrive, not the sort of languid, like, like mid tempo to slow stuff. But when, when he, you know, Billy Corgan would get going, they could, they could shred pretty hard. I mean, he was, he did not hide the fact that he could shred. Um, And I like the, the, the Tana brothers kind of reminds me in some way. It's like, it's like Eddie and Alex Van Halen, like, you know, a brother, uh combo on guitar and drums and you can hear like you know that song you could play that straight with the drum part but then there's parts where like you can hear extra percussion come in it just adds these like nice little um extra beds of of music that just make it a little more interesting than if it was just a straightforward four-piece band yeah it's a it's a very layered record I should mention Alex Lifeson from Rush plays guitar on this on um, Like a Girl, which uh, if you're going to get some Canadian heavyweight to wow, okay. show up on your second record, that's the guy you're going to do it. It's either going to be it's either that or it's going to be uh, Robbie Baker from the, the hip. He'll be showing up and playing some leads. Seeing like, do we know where he's at? Is he in that middle section? I don't know. Gets a it just little says froggy. that he, he says additional guitar like a girl. Uh, makes um, sense. I know the year before Alex Lifeson had a solo album out called Victor. I don't know if it made any waves down down in college radio or alternative radio. Ooh, that would be a good one for us to. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> someone and, needs to suggest that. Yeah, I have never. Was, I haven't heard a lick of that thing. Yeah, and uh, he has multiple singers on. And Edwin, the lead singer of My Mother Earth, uh, was the was the lead on on the first and only single from that album, which was was quite good. Jay, what doesn't work for you on the record? Uh, the vocals have a tendency to be a bit much. Uh, there's a lot of words. There's a lot of effects. 
on the vocals. There's a lot of voices and tones. Uh, he changes his voice a ton. I think it's more of an issue of like just approach it, like it makes it a little less approachable or accessible, maybe is a better word. It, just in that there's so much information to take in that it really takes multiple listens to start to absorb it all. The harmonies helped a lot for me. Those became a, a big cue of like, oh, okay, here's the chorus. Oh, I get the what the hook is here. Some of the verses, though, I'd be like, okay, wow, my head's spinning with like everything that's going on and how much he's saying. And he gets a little. Also, I think his loud voice is sometimes sounds a little strained. Um, the best comparison I would have would be like Jeff Keith from Tesla. Or I don't know if you've ever heard him sing live, but like sometimes it like it sounds almost like the voice is about to like fry out. Yeah. <laughs> it's like right on the edge of it. Um, yeah, it's in that space quite often, and it's like, yeah, the good thing is he moves so much his, his voice around, he's never there too much. But I think that, it that was hurts him on slower thing. songs, yeah. Like Another Sunday, I think, is one that where it doesn't work as well, his voice, because he spends a lot of the chorus in that voice, and since yeah. it's a slower tempo, you can you hear the strain more, whereas when it's like at 120 30 whatever decibel or, or beats per minute you're going by so fast that it's you know he's delivering it faster so you don't notice it as much yeah. but on the on the slower tracks when he does try to stretch that i definitely picked up that it was straining It's also a long record. I mean, it's 63 minutes, and I feel like probably half these songs could get a minute trimmed off of them. Um, it doesn't mean that I want like a whole section taken out. I just want the seconds to be a little shorter, so there's more of a dynamic shift in the song. Yeah. So I don't want to stay in like a bridge for 10 measures. You know what I mean? Mm. I'd be happy with a bridge that goes three measures or four measures um there's just some of that kind of stuff where they all the five minute i mean this this album is pretty much four and five minute long tracks and um that's where it just got it got a little yeah it's like on my ears because there's a lot happening and you're paying attention to everything yeah yeah totally it's like four five seven five seven you know Yeah. So and I, I, there's very few of the songs that I would be like, I, I would trash this song. It would be just more like, let's just get this down to three and a half and see what happens, which yeah. I, I'm sure they did that for the singles, which always makes me go, well, why don't you just make the single version, the, 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 put it on the album 
and then just make the long version like a b-side like okay well we jammed out an extra four measures on this part darren that's not, that's not who they are tim they got go, yeah i can see you're shaking your head like <laughs> you guys don't understand i don't disagree with you but that i mean i think they're just from what i know of the band you know uh, you know uh, jag and, and christian i mean they're and the bass player um highly musical I think they like to, they love those jams, they, uh, extending the songs out. Um, but I agree with you. There is a bit of bloat. Uh, I didn't really, until you mentioned, I didn't really attribute it to the song. Like I was looking at the tracks and like, you know, it's only 12 songs. And, you know, one of them is just an intro. So really only 11 songs, but yeah, but you're right. Everything. The shortest song is another Sunday at four minutes and five seconds. Everything else is, is, is on average five minutes plus. So, they could have used a bit of an editor, I think. Um, I agree. Also, Jerry's a comment about the lead singer Edwin. It's uh, I think it's a bit of a Van Halen situation here, where you have three extremely talented musicians, and the weakest link is the vocalist. But at the same time, you know what makes them weak, and they're also you know in the case of Dave Lee Roth, so unique, one of a kind. And you could say the same a little bit for Edwin here. He probably wasn't the most technically gifted singer, but um, as I alluded to before, you know, highly photogenic, great stage presence. So they had that mix there in you know, the mid-90s, the videos where, you know, that had the songs with the, you know, heavy, heavy parts for the guys and very uh, photogenic frontman for the, for the ladies. So uh, they, they, they kind of had the perfect formula until they, they threw it all away, which I can speak to later. Well, speak um, to it. What happened? Yeah, what happened? <laughs> well, maybe they didn't throw it all. That's, let's say uh, Edwin had a case of, uh, depending who who you talk to, either he had a bit of a case of lead singer's disease and he wanted to be the star, or the other is that you know, uh, you know, he wanted to start writing more of the songs, or at least writing writing his own lyrics. The lyrics were written by, I think the lyrics are all written by the drummer actually, and. Uh, Right, you know, summer of '97. This album had been out for almost a year. They were still working it hard with with Raspberry at the time, and he announced that he was leaving the band uh, in middle of of a, of a of a tour. They finished the dates, and then he left. Uh, two years later, they both both the band came back with a new album, Blue Green Orange, with a new singer, Brian Byrne, and Edwin came out. I think almost within the same month or two, summer of 99 with his own solo album. And uh, <laughs> this is Van Halen. Holy crap. It, it is. is. <laughs> and the Edwin solo album. Was Steve I in the band? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. The Edwin solo album. I, I was almost debating covering this one because it's it's not a train wreck. It's just it's just a boring album. It's basically like, yeah, this is what you expected. It's, it's just basic hard rock. Uh, none of the complexity that I Mother Earth brought. Yeah. So it was actually a big seller. It had some big singles, but uh, but it does has no lasting legacy. I Mother Earth, on the other hand, actually put out a pretty decent album with Blue Green Orange, um, and uh, you know the singer Brian that replaced Edwin was 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 different, but in his own way, but great. But by that point, you know they they lost the momentum. You know, you know for every. Uh, Every band that uh, replaces a Bon Scott with Brian Johnson, you have a uh, a Vince Neil or and John Karabi situation, and this was more the latter. Uh, or a Gary Sharon. Yeah, oh Gary Sharon. Keep with the I, Van Halen. Uh... Yeah, 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 no shade on John Karabi. Big fan of that Molly Crew. Right. So, 
Edwin actually went on to f- to be in a super group, quote unquote, called Crash Karma with Mike Turner of Our Lady Peace and drummer Jeff Burroughs of the Tea Party. And then a guy named Amir Epstein, who was in a band called Zygote, but I don't know what I don't think that that qualifies as a super group member. He's just the bass player. Uh, have you checked out the Crash Karma stuff? No, other than I think I heard the first single on radio, which I think was around 2005 or 2006 when it came out. Uh, that really went nowhere. I think it was one album. And uh, I think Edwin just at some point, at one point he was a bartender in a Toronto bar. Uh, but about five years ago, they finally, uh, he came back to the band, uh, on, they did a few reunion shows and they seem to, they're still touring now, actually. They were just here in Toronto about a month ago. Uh, no, actually two weeks ago, they played a a dual headlining show with Sloan, another dig me out, uh, band that's been covered in the past. Great, great band. And uh, I don't know about that show, but they've actually been doing shows with both singers you know, doing their own respective sections, which is quite cool. Yeah, sort of a, a um, well, didn't Van Halen, no, Van Halen didn't tour with the two singers, did they? Uh, oh, no, there the was singers that they would do that. Did their own did. tour, I think. Oh, yeah. that's right. Yeah. Sammy and, and Dave did the tour where they alternated opening and then there was yeah. stuff yeah. So it, happening. It is, like, it is like Van Halen, but you know, we're Canadian. <laughs> Everyone's nice to play. Too. So we figured out that I Mother Earth is the Canadian Van Halen. Is Pretty, much. Pretty much. <laughs> that's wow. Interesting. I did not expect to learn that, but that's a great. Um, um, what is the streaming situation of this record? Where, where did you listen to this, Tim? I actually had the MP3s. Oh, okay. I think I got them from the I Hate the 90s blog many years ago. So this is not on Apple Music. Um, the third album is not on Apple Music. The, o- the only thing on Apple Music is Dig and then the three singles and EPs from 2015. I didn't even so, check Spotify because I had it, but I'll check now. I'm listening to it through YouTube, unfortunately. Really? It's on Canadian yeah. Spotify. Um, yeah, it's the same situation on Spotify. It's just the first album and then three singles. No way. I wonder why. So... I. I I don't know why that would be. That is a. Um, is it on the same labels? First record. So same label. Yeah, they were on Capital. Dig was on Capital. Yeah, Scenery and Fish is also on Capital. Uh, Blue Green Orange is on Universal, which is a big label. There's no reason. And then there was a <laughs> compilation record, Earth Sky and everything in between that came out on EMI Capital. Again, that's not anywhere strange because i'm on apple music now too and and it's i can oh, see it's the a fourth here. album so it's yeah, gonna be u.s so specific far. distribution thing yeah so Bummer. oh they went they went real prog on the fourth record there is a song track 10 meet dreams it has four parts umbilical transmissions we nine <laughs> that's quite an erection eric and blondes and bluster. <laughs> wow, yeah. they turned into King King Crimson. Yeah, what's going on there? They're uh, featured on a uh, uh, funk metal essentials from Apple Music playlist. That's, that's that's kind of a big deal. I mean, that's got 
Peppers, Primus, although there's a uh, Mind Funk, which was a band we reviewed. Yep. Hmm. My Mother Earth, King's X. King's X is not funk metal, but okay. <laughs> yeah, I'd say My Mother Earth is it's more funk adjacent. Maybe they're more funky on that first album, but they became more psychedelic with this yeah. album, sure. And more Santana esque, I'd say. I really did. I so I was uh, completely not listening to this. I had one song on, but I had it on a loop because I was doing something and I just needed like some background music to stay consistent. And then I was like, well, I'm going to go back and listen to the record now. And I started the record, but I forgot to take it off the loop. So it just played the first track for like 10 minutes in a row. And I went, wait a minute. That's only 40 seconds. Why is this so long? (laughs) And I realized I had kept the loop on. But it was kind of nice. It was just this nice Afro, you know, Cuban percussion loop that just kept going and going and going. Wow. So I might add, I might add that to my uh, to my work uh, instrumental list. Just oh, place God. that on a on a ten minute loop. Uh, let's get into our overall ratings on this record. Jay, were the album better EP or decent single? Where do you land? I gotta say I'm surprised I'm I'm landing here, but I'm landing at a worthy album. I did not expect to like this record as much as I do. Um, I'm kind of bummed that it's not available on Apple Music because it's going to make it much harder for me to listen to it. Because uh, I don't go to YouTube to listen to music very often. Because I'm yeah. excited about spending more time with it. It's it's a really cool record. I I'm um I think I'm more forgiving of the length because I I think that probably brings more good than than harm here um so really it's just kind of getting used to the vocals for me um worthy record where you at tim i agree with you i think it's a worthy album and other than maybe dropping like another sunday or maybe one other song i don't know i I, i'm okay with the length it's just the length i just need to do a little editing on the songs themselves to make it like a really really amazing record i would be curious to know if they were confronted with um if this had to be a vinyl record in the 90s like how would this have turned out you know or would it, they made a double record with it you know um I don't know if it's on vinyl. I'm sure it's probably gotten a reissue at some point, but I'm assuming that it's a double vinyl because it's, it's pretty close to, you know, 80 minutes. So yeah, I think it's a worthy record. Darren. Three for three. Uh, I, um, I agree. Worthy, worthy album. Hat trick. Yeah. Good, good hockey slash Canadian reference. Um, yeah. I'm with you too. I mean, I, Maybe drop us one song or two uh, uh, near the back end. A few of the tracks, even after listening to this album dozens and dozens of times, they still kind of blend into one for me. But like Jay said, it's you know you almost need those tracks in there just to have that whole overall cohesiveness of the album. So yeah, we're the album for me, no question. Well. We haven't had three worthy albums in a in a while. When, when I guess we've, it's been a, it's been a couple episodes. So let's. Uh, I know someone's keeping track out there. <laughs> they'll, they'll, maybe they'll tell us 
how long we go between hat our trick. intern was but they we just accidentally fired him get him back <laughs> tell him we were kidding it was just an early april fool's joke or a late april fool's joke depending on how far we are from april fools but uh if you want to be like darren you can join us over at patreon and you can not only vote in polls like the album review polls but also our tournament of champions every month uh 27 albums enter one album leaves the rest are are cut to shreds Via a, a, a vicious, bloody, winner-take-all, Coliseum-esque, Roman Coliseum, gore-fest. You want to see... What was the... Ugh. What? I just watched, I just watched Gladiator. Like nice. I, I just rewatched okay. it. So it's kind of... It's, it's in my brain. So violent. But if you want to see the apples in stereo bludgeon to death, shades apart, Join our poll, join our Patreon, and you can see it in the in the polls. Uh, also, uh, besides Patreon, you can go to digmeoutpodcast.com. That's where you suggest the albums that end up in these polls every month. And you can tell us where you can go to sign up for the Box Newsletter, which is two new reviews every month, every, sorry, every week, plus our newsletter of new releases related to 80s and 90s music uh, anything from new albums to movies books documentaries tv shows we'll cover it here and then lastly apple podcast is where you go to leave us some stars preferably five four if you're feeling salty but five is what we prefer so darren thank you so much for spending another one of your evenings with us uh maybe we'll get to matthew good next year Time will tell. I might have to. I might have to rescue it from, from the bowels of the of the uh, losers. That again is another artist whose name I have heard for many a year, and I have never heard any Matthew Good. Have you, Jay? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, I like uh, the one that was nominated. Min- is it Midnight something? Beautiful, beautiful Midnight. Yeah, I like that record a lot. I liked his solo um, record he put out a couple years ago too. Yeah, yeah, still- I followed him like he's like one of those artists like <clears throat> I forget about and then like every five years I remember they put a new record out and then I listen to it and I'm like oh this is really good yeah he's still out there he's consistently putting albums out but you know, a much smaller audience but it's it's that's why I love this podcast these suggestions and what you've done in the past with Canadian bands because it, it's to me it's so interesting to see the difference that these bands felt so much bigger in Canada, at least in my demographic age and, you know, for, for rock, uh, Canadian rock fan at the time. And then, you know, barely make a ripple on, on the other side of the border, maybe in Buffalo and, and regionally, but they, <laughs> they never, it just shows how hard it is to make it, uh, make it in the, in the, in the USA. It's a much, much bigger market. I'm wearing a tragically hip t-shirt and here's a great example of a band that could, you know, fill, fill stadiums in, uh, in Canada. Then, once the further south they go, they could fill, I don't know, maybe 3,000 seat theaters. Well, I saw them at the Columbus or at the Newport Music Hall in Columbus, which is 1,500 twice. I saw them at a park. They played for free with Wilco 
Oh, wow. Jay was there. Yeah. And there was maybe 100 people there. Wow. It was, I could not believe how few people were there to see those two bands. It was a free show in a park. Wow. And, there was, and we were just standing around. There's plenty of space for us to walk around. Like today, that would be, there'd be 10,000 people there easy. Yeah. Do you remember? Uh, well, not today, today, what, obviously, but, you know. Remember it, when that was? What, what year? Yeah, it was like 99. It was like the year that we moved to Columbus oh, from after hard. college. I saw them at a zoo. They played the Toledo Zoo. They played a, a little amphitheater. There was maybe five or 600 people there. Wow. I saw them in the weirdest venues. And then the other one is I saw them at Cobo Hall when they recorded Live Between Us. Oh, cool. That's, that's my only time I've ever been to a, a live performance that got t- then turned into an official release. Oh, impressive. Yeah, I, I had terrible fun. seats for that. I was like the, the second to last row in the entire arena. Yeah, but you got the park with 100 people, so it's a bit of a wash. Right. And the guy holding a Canadian flag in front of me the whole time, that, so I couldn't see most of the show. <laughs> That was that was good. I do remember there was a Canadian flag at that park show. Yes, because I had never seen them before. I, I mean, I vaguely knew a little bit about them. We went to the show, and I was like, "What? What's with the Canadian flag?" <laughs> yeah, I think like, you don't understand, man. I well, I quickly started to understand. But... I am pretty sure that like half of the Ohio State hockey team was at that. Probably. <laughs> Yeah, I knew Canadians that would drive down, like ten hour drive, just to to see them in a in a smaller club. But uh, I can imagine for the Americans, it gets old pretty fast. A bunch of Canadians and waving their flags in their room. <laughs> I, I I mean, I loved it because I was such a huge fan. And I was like, "You people are all idiots." But I mean, that's it's like ninety percent of the bands we cover were like, "Why wasn't this band huge?" And why don't you idiots understand how good they were? It's like, yeah, that's that's the story of the nineties for ninety nine percent of the bands that put out records. Yeah. So let's wrap this up. For Jay, I'm Tim. We're out. We'll be back next week with another episode. Dig me out.